I'm Mindy Peterson, and this is Enhanced Life with Music, the layperson's guide to enjoying music's benefits. Our guest today is Megan Morrow, music therapist and certified brain injury specialist at TIRR Memorial Hermann Rehabilitation Hospital in Houston. Megan's work came to my attention through her success in helping Representative Gabby Giffords relearn how to talk using music therapy after Gifford's tragic shooting in 2011. Megan is a board-certified music therapist whose primary area of expertise, for those of you with medical background, is using neurologic music therapy techniques for interdisciplinary work in a physical medicine and rehabilitation setting. So in my layperson's terms, I'm calling that music therapist and certified brain injury specialist. Does that work? Yes, of course. Okay. That's perfect. Wonderful. <laughs> Megan has been featured in national and international media, including CNN, Newsweek, USA Today, thegrammys.com, and EBC's Nightline with Bob Woodruff. She and her team have been recognized as Persons of the Week by Diane Sawyer and David Muir. She has been a panelist with the Americans for the Arts at Sundance with Robert Redford and is involved in two clinical music therapy research projects. Outside of the hospital, Megan is a vocal performing artist and church musician. She has a passion to use music for the betterment of our world and serves in multiple ways to unite art and music therapy advocacy. We are honored to have you with us today, Megan. Welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm glad to be here. Your work with Ms. Giffords really hit home with me because my mom suffered a traumatic brain injury in a 1994 car accident, mm-hmm. and I have relatives who are constituents of Mrs. Giffords in Tucson. Right. So I'm really excited to talk to you today and just really intrigued by this idea of music being used for healing and brain injuries, particularly in aphasia, which Ms. Giffords experienced, the inability to speak because of damage to the language pathways in the brain. Talk to us about that. Yeah, that's, it's very significant where her injury was, is precisely in the language regions on the left hemisphere of the brain. And usually when I'm working with a patient like that, it's due to a stroke, you know, like a, a mm. bleed in a certain area. So I already know what techniques and what type of music um, elements I'm going to use with that patient. And it's a little more cut and dry with stroke. But Mm -hmm. with a traumatic brain injury, um, that can be very diffuse and can be all over the brain. So I didn't really know what I was getting into once she came here. I thought it might be much more severe and that her language not ever come back. But the bullet was very precise. So it was it was like clear cut area. So I know what to do. Okay. So was Miss Giffords the first brain injury patient that you worked with, or no. is a stroke considered a brain injury? A stroke is also considered a brain injury. Oh, but okay. It's, um, it's more like I'm saying, like segregated to a certain area, uh, and with a traumatic event, mm-hmm. you just never know where the damage could be. Sure. It could be in several parts, and then. Um, even loss of oxygen to the brain can kind of spread all over the whole brain. So when it's something that tragic, you have no idea um, how long is it going to take for the brain to come back together. Mm -hmm. And Tear is so used to handling those traumatic events that our team knew what to do. It's just, well, what is this prognosis going to be? When it's this bad, Mm -hmm. are we going to get it back for her, you know? Mm -hmm. So how 
how is music useful in patients with aphasia? How, why can why can they sing and not speak? That is like the question of the year, isn't it? <laughs> um, it and, and it seems when my patients come into the hospital, it always seems such a big surprise and it almost looks magical. You know, mm-hmm. the speech therapist is coming into the room and trying to get them to verbalize or say anything to them, even uh, humming or making a sound, mm-hmm. anything to communicate with our patients. And sometimes that doesn't work and they call upon the music therapy team to come in and So when I sing a familiar song with this person, they are able to access other regions of the brain, um, maybe something from an emotional center or a memory center or different elements of music like pitch and tone, harmonies and all those types of things, especially with rhythm. Those Mm -hmm. areas of the brain, they can retrieve those lyrics from. So the song is actually so powerful because it has all those elements so Hmm. we can retrieve it and move it back over to language and that's that's a process that you've probably heard of and talked about um called neuroplasticity Mm -hmm. um i believe that um a lot of people it was a very hype word probably right around the time gabby was in the news and um and a lot more research and brain imaging was happening now we know that our brain is able to re- reorganize itself, especially when you use um, something as powerful as music. Mm. So, for example, uh, like functional plasticity is the brain's ability to move functions from a damaged area of the brain to the other undamaged areas. So it's like we're creating a new pathway for those lyrics to come and turn that into speech. Mm. So basically, I'm I'm starting over with their brain and retrieving lyrics from somewhere else. Mm. That is really fascinating. And what you're saying now reminds me of a quote that I saw from you in one of the articles I read, music is that other road to get back to language. Mm. And you kind of compare the process to a freeway detour. Yeah, You're not able to go forward on a, a pathway that you typically use, but you can exit, go around and get to where you need to go. Exactly. There is another quote that I read in a in an article Michael de Georgia mm. says patients can be essentially mute, unable to utter a single word, but put on the Beatles, all you need is love and suddenly patients can sing. Substitute some of the words and now patients are speaking again and he's just talking about how powerful music is and you you mentioned that too, music is really powerful. Yeah. Kind of that combination, I guess of not only the words, but the pitches, the rhythm, yes. the memories. Yes, and that's that's what we still don't have the full answer to because music is such a phenomenon and there's so many things going on within it. Like I said, there's the rhythm and the melody to the song and the pitch and all of these different things happening. What is it that's working for us to bring the language back and to turn on the voice again. And um, one of my teachers um, did the research and the foundation on a lot of the techniques that I used here in the hospital. And that was one of the main um, and first initial research projects that they started with is just the element of rhythm and how powerful that is on the brain Mm. uh, with 
igniting the motor system, helping you to walk, helping you to move your arms and your body again, and even helping you to speak and move your mouth and the ability to sing as well. Mm. So that's kind of the root of a lot of the reason that my techniques are working uh, with people is that we understand how powerful even just one element is with rhythm. And mm. um, like you mentioned, I'm, I'm involved in two different um, research projects because we're trying to figure those things out. We, we have techniques from the 70s and even, you know, further back that we're still using, but we, we don't know why they work and we need to break them down further. Um, mm. So, for example, with Gabby and other patients here, first and foremost, I'm trying to stimulate that pathway and just bring out any sound or lyrics that I possibly can um, mm-hmm. so that we've primed a pathway for speech. And then I use a very old technique that is also used and discovered by speech therapy. Speech language pathologists have been using this technique since the 70s, like I mentioned. Um, it's called melodic intonation therapy. And you're basically starting from the beginning reteaching someone how to speak. So maybe they need to say, I need help, or I need the bathroom. My name is Megan, but they can't say it correctly. So we start where they are getting the lyrics out, which is through a song. So I apply a melody to that phrase, like, I need help. I might sing it, I need help, and like kind of go up in my inflection Uh because it sounds like I'm, you know, yelling out for help. Uh-huh. And then we rehearse that melody, and then we, we fade it into just chanting with rhythm, and then we fade it out and away from music, and it's back to solid speech. Mm. And so over time, like I said before, we're building that neuroplasticity and that new road mm-hmm. so that they can access that phrase and many other phrases so that they can functionally speak to their family again and to the rest of us. Mm. So fascinating. Does does the results with music therapy have much to do on the musical background that a patient has prior to the stroke you know, or the injury? Yeah, that's that is a big question. Like, do you have to have a music bank inside of you, or mm-hmm. have trained more in music than someone else? And it's it's a yes and no. There, um, all of us is what I like to say is that every human has the capacity to create music and be involved in it because so many of our functional um, everyday life, everything that we use from movement to our heartbeat to our breathing rhythms is musical. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's intrinsic as a human to be musical. Mm -hmm. So you don't have to be a musician to respond well to these things, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't hurt to have had some songs that you've been listening to your life. Uh, Mm -hmm. all your life, maybe lullabies that your mom sang to you or training in school when you, when you learned the recorder in, in the fourth grade, or Mm -hmm. you took a piano lesson, or maybe you were singing songs in church. All of those things help me on the other side to help you with your um, rehabilitation. Mm -hmm. Yeah. In some ways it does help. Um, In some ways the music doesn't work whenever I'm working with someone on this exact technique and this exact problem, if they have the aphasia in the left hemisphere, 
and um, music was a language to them. Like to me and you, we actually read music notes and Mm -hmm. read it like a language. Mm -hmm. That MIT, melodic intonation therapy, might not work with us because music is in our language area. You see? So I can't retrieve it from the other parts as well as I could with someone who doesn't use music as a language. Interesting. You know, I've used that exact example with students when they're beginning and we get to the point in their book where we can start reading notes on the staff. I'm like, this is so exciting because this is, it's like a universal language. You can go to many other countries and you won't be Mm -hmm. able to speak their language or read what their written language is, but you'll be able to read their music. So that, I hadn't thought about that. Yeah, it's pretty interesting. So those are those phenomenal things that we're still finding out through this clinical research and neuro brain imaging and that sort of thing. So it's very cool. Yeah. Another thing I'm wondering about is I've heard so much about neuroplasticity apart from what we're talking about now with music therapy and injuries and things like that. I hear about it so much just Mm -hmm. in the realm of music and how playing a music instrument really kind of like supercharges your neuroplasticity. Definitely. Yeah. You're just constantly establishing. You're building roads. Yes. So many roads. And, and, the most, I talk about this a lot to my patients because actually when I have a musician, I know that their brain is much more efficient than most mm. people's because they've practiced and practiced and yes. built those pathways. And in the middle of the two lobes of the brain, it's called the corpus callosum. And in musicians, ours is thicker than everyone else's um. because those fibers have Every time you practice that piano, every time it's building, 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 especially like bilateral, you know, processes like violin and, and the organ and the drums and the guitar, you're using both sides of your body. So Mm. you're building that thick corpus callosum. And that means that your brain is working better. It's talking to itself, communicating better. So that is like a superpower. Uh-huh. So yeah. I love talking to people that are educators because it's scary if we're leaving music out of the education system in any way because oh. you're losing something that could be so beneficial to your entire life oh. for anything in your life. You sure, see? sure. So musicians who you see, if they're note readers and music readers mm-hmm. on the staff, they may have a slight disadvantage if they have damage to that specific. Aphasia. Yes, because yeah, it is sort only of like for a aphasia. Sure. Okay. But <laughs> yeah. they'll also probably have an advantage, the musical advantage of having a very efficient brain that's used to uh, developing mm-hmm. new pathways and is more, has a higher plasticity. Is that, is that accurate? That is accurate. I believe that it helps their rehabilitation so much faster and you're going to save money that way you're going to get out of the hospital faster you're going to be a healthier person Hmm. altogether interesting and those musicians who are really amazing at playing by ear but don't read music if they had aphasia they the note reading wouldn't be affecting them right it wouldn't no it wouldn't be okay oh interesting (laughs) <laughs> I'm going to link in the show notes to this article that was uh, really excellent. It's called Gabby Gifford's Finding Words Through Song. It's from 2011. It's written by multiple authors, including Bob Woodruff. Uh, really interesting article that kind of describes your work with her. There's a quote in the article by Dr. Oliver Sacks, nothing activates the brain so extensively as music. 
And Dr. Sachs, his account of music therapy and Parkinson's disease was the basic for the book and film Awakenings, which I actually have not seen. I need to see that. You know, that was one of the most inspiring movies to me when I was eight years old. Really? I I saw that. That changed my life. I mm. knew when I saw that, I was like, yeah, music is really powerful. And it stuck with me all this time. And Oliver Sacks has been a great advocate for music therapy. Mm, interesting. I've got to watch it. That's going on my list. Yeah, it's amazing. <laughs> uh, you know, I saw when I was doing a little research for this interview that music therapy was first recognized as a tool to help soldiers returning from World War II with brain injuries. Yep. So this has been going on since the 40s, huh? Yes. That's actually kind of the beginning of it in our in our country, basically, is they were having music students come in and, and kind of distract those soldiers from pain, mm-hmm. you know, and mm-hmm. they the doctors saw, okay, this is working, but we can't have musicians in here. You know, we, they need some kind of medical training. So mm-hmm. I believe it was, you know, up in the Northeast, they started programs and curriculums for music therapy. Um, and so it's just trickled down and across America over the years. And it's been happening since that time. But for some reason, every time we're in the media again, it's like, oh, it's a new therapy. Look at mm-hmm. this new thing, you know. And, mm-hmm. and so it's kind of sad because we're still having to pioneer mm-hmm. and explain what it is. And we're working very hard and we're getting farther and farther, especially since there's so much research to back it up now. Mm-hmm. I think that helped. Absolutely. But yeah. yeah. Huh. Can you tell us about your outside the hospital vocal performing that you do? Sure. Now that I'm a mother of two, I oh, don't have you? as much time oh, to no, uh, perform. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So um, I've been singing in bands since I was probably 13 or 14, you know, and that kind of helped me get into, you know, my identity as a musician I um, decided to go to college vocal performance major because I was never an academic. I was always a creative and I was like, that's really what I want to do is just Mm. sing, you know? Mm -hmm. And as I school, I found out that you could help people with music. So I continued down the path for the music therapy degree, but all the time I had been singing in bands, especially in like contemporary Christian worship bands and those Mm -hmm. types of things in my Mm -hmm. church Mm -hmm. and then in rock bands and, you know, working in the bars at night, it was really hard to balance that life. If you're a clinician by day, you can't be a rock singer by night. So (laughs) I, I'm just kind of treat my time in bars. Mm -hmm. We have an improv segment of the show. It's, it's kind of a try this at home, a hack an experiment that will enhance listeners lives with music. Do you have any ideas for our listeners? Yes, I do. I'm thinking I'm going to go in the singing category because singing helps so many different things. Singing is such an intrinsic intrinsic thing to uh, all of us. Even though you might not feel like you're talented in that area, it is something that we can all do to benefit um, our immune system. It can strengthen your immune system. Singing can be like a workout. It can increase the muscles in your diaphragm and in your for your lung capacity. It can help you with sleep. 
Um, it's a natural antidepressant. Mm. It immediately releases endorphins oh. Oh. when you're singing. Interesting. Um, it also can lower stress levels. It can be really relaxing when you need it to be. And one of the most beneficial things about singing and even just making music with other people is that it can bond you to those people that you're making music or singing along with. So it can really, you know, widen your circle of friends and your your social abilities. So I encourage people to, yeah, join a singing group or even maybe if you're part of a church or some kind of community where you can be singing with other people, it has all these benefits. And just try to, you know, kind of block out that that feeling of, oh, you know, I don't have the right voice for this. I'm not talented in this area. I I think of it as something that is just for all of us, mm. you know. And even, especially when you're singing with others, it's a little um, less threatening because you're hearing the other voices. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm speaking to adults, but also for children, it's one of the most, beneficial things for development of the brain and for language, Mm. especially um, you're going to have a higher vocabulary if you're singing lots of songs when you're young. Mm. And and I said before, it's building that neuroplasticity in the Mm. brain and that corpus callosum is getting strengthened. And then um, one of the other great benefits is that it really does ear train you when you're singing a child with other children's voices. What they've found is that people that are ear trained through singing, like as a a young developing brain or um, even playing an instrument when you're younger, your ear is more fine tuned and you can have much more quality for empathy when you're listening to other people talking. You can Mm -hmm. hear different inflections in their tone and understand more how someone might be feeling just coming through conversation. Mm. Interesting. I did not know all of that about uh, singing. Yeah. And I think that I, I tend to go towards that research. I want to know about it because I'm a singer <laughs> and I know that singing helped me um, as an asthmatic and a person who had lung problems. Mm-hmm. As I started training in opera at about 17 or 18, it actually healed my lungs <sighs> and I don't have to use inhalers anymore. It's almost like I overcame my asthma through exercising my respiratory muscles in my lungs from breathing correctly. Uh, And my opera teacher really just taught me how to breathe. uh That was uh the ultimate thing. It gave me a lot of um, confidence and power. And I stopped singing like in that breathy poppy zone. And I started having my bel canto voice. Mm you know, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but it strengthened my lungs at the same time. So it's, it's a big healer. To oh, me. fascinating. Great improv. So if you can sing with people, if not sing in the shower, that's our try the set home, belt it out in the car. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and if you're at the stoplight and that's you look right. over and the person next to you in their car is having their own little private conversation, give them a thumbs up. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Encourage it. Well, Megan, how can listeners more learn more about your work, about music therapy in general? How can they connect with you? You can connect with me uh, via Facebook or via Twitter. At Twitter, I'm, I believe I'm at Mia Megan. And I think you yes, have that information yeah, as well. I'm yes, 
on Facebook if you want to say those. I don't okay. have them memorized. Yes, I have at Music Megan Morrow. Is that Facebook? That's right. That's my Facebook, at Music Megan Morrow. Okay. Okay. And I will include those in the show notes also. Perfect. I'm usually sharing a lot of this information that I'm talking about on there. Okay. Oh, wonderful. And then also check out musictherapy.org. That's the American Music Therapy Association website. And there's all types of information and um, ways to get in connection with music therapists in your region. Wonderful. Well, we close the show with a coda and ending. I ask my guests to provide a coda, some kind of a song, a story of a moment that music enhanced your life. Do you have anything you can share with us for our coda today? Yeah, sure. Um, There's so many avenues and conversations or songs that I could bring forward, but this one comes to mind. Can I read the lyrics to the song? Yeah. Okay. This is a song that comes from a story called The Princess and the Goblin. And hmm. it's a children's fantasy novel by George MacDonald. Yeah. It was I've read published that. in 1872. Uh-huh. It's very old. And um, he was a big influence on J.R.R. Tolkien mm-hmm. as well, who wrote Lord of the Rings. So I'm yes. into a lot of fantasy. So you probably like C.S. Lewis too, then? Yes. That too. <laughs> exactly. And, um, he that story it it was just like a little cartoon and it has music you know in the cartoon and I used to show it to my daughter Mm -hmm. and it's basically about a princess trying to escape darkness and these things that were living below her the goblins Mm -hmm. and they had to rise up and get rid of them and you know kind of quench that and uh everyone in the show or in the book they all start singing this song and it helps the darkness go away. Mm. So even though it's a fantasy and it's kind of an analogy to what I think that happens when music comes into your life or when you sing and when you participate in music, you're overcoming a lot of things that might be ailing you at the time or rehabilitating and overcoming things that have come to destroy your body and your your mind and your soul. Mm. So the song is called A Spark Inside Us, and the lyrics are by Robin Lyons, and the song is by Paul Keating. And it says, there's a spark inside us that we all can ignite, and all that's dark inside us will flicker into light. There's a power in every breath. There's a power in every note, a power that starts within the heart, a power that rises through the throat. And when it sails up through the air, more beautiful than any prayer, this power could right a wrong, and it will always thrill the ear of those who have the power to hear the magic of this song. All that's strong inside us that tells us wrong from right becomes a song inside us to chase away the night. Mm. And I just thought those lyrics are so powerful, and they're simple, and it's a children's song, but it can apply to you know, what we're talking about right now and Mm -hmm. just overcoming those difficulties and um, tragedies that might come at people. You can use music to fight those things. Mm, So inspiring. Thank you. 
Yeah, no problem. Thank you so much for joining us today, Megan. I really appreciate your time, your expertise, your inspiration. I enjoy learning along with my listeners. I definitely have learned a lot today. Thank you for that. Yeah, thank you for doing a show like this and giving me the opportunity to express what I'm doing here and shine a light on uh, rehabilitation and the way that we're using music. Like I said, a lot of people think it's a new thing and it's not. So Mm -hmm. I'm thanking you for continuing to spread the word. Thank you listeners for joining us today. If you have an Echo compatible device, you can now listen to the show by saying, Alexa, play Enhance Life with Music podcast. To automatically receive the next episode and help others find the show, please subscribe, rate, and review the show on whatever podcast app you use. Please tell a friend about us and tell us your suggestions for topics and guests at mpetersonmusic.com slash podcast. That page is also where you'll find show notes and where you can tell me how music enhances your life. I'd love to hear from you. Until next week, may your life be enhanced with music.